Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall back on Coming Up for Air, and I am sitting here with my co-host, Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Good morning. How are you? So Kayla Solomon, she has a support group meeting on the Allies in Recovery website. Some of you may attend her meetings. And then today, Dominique is again not with us. She's taking a little bit of a break, but she'll be back. So Kayla, why don't you open it up? What are we going to talk about today? I'm laughing because Lori and I had a little uh, disagreement about this, but but that's what we love about this. So you don't have to agree to be in this process, but we were talking about how loved ones can put themselves first, or as we like to say, put themselves on the map at all, as opposed to <laughs> merely focusing on the crisis at hand or the person that they're dealing with. First, let's define putting yourself first, Okay. And my definition of it is that that you actually exist and your needs and your wants and your life continues, even though the person with the substance use issue is in crisis, falling apart, having issues, struggling, not having the kind of life that you would hope for them. I could go on. We know what we're talking about here and that your life does not get put on hold waiting for this person to be okay because we know that if you put yourself on hold and just focus on them and how bad you feel about this that you might be waiting a very long time until you get a life yeah no I agree I'm just sitting here laughing and giggling because we did have this conversation and I was like oh boy (laughs) oh boy because I will tell you that I couldn't do it in the beginning of my journey I couldn't when my son came home, it was going to be a long time before I was going to be able to put myself in this picture. And to me, I mean, I can only share my thoughts with you at the time. And my thoughts were, I'm going to do anything and everything. I'm going to be either a hero or a martyr or whatever it takes. And I will throw my entire being into this. And I did not, I was not a consideration. So what were the consequences of that choice, Lori? I got sicker and sicker and sicker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In what way? Like physically, emotionally, what? All of the above. I was a mess. I mean, I was, I was walking around, you know, oftentimes I talk about how I still kind of have a dark cloud over my head. It's always there. And I have kind of resigned to the fact that it'll probably always be there on some level. But back then it was more like I was walking around in a storm and it was raining and there was thunder and lightning all the time. And I was just an absolute mess. I couldn't get things together. And I'm just thinking of when something would happen, you know, I, I was useless. I was, you know, I was doing things like, you know, calling police stations, 
calling hospitals, you know, literally I would get in the car and drive around town. Like there's millions of people out there. Why, why do I think I'm going to find him? Right. But I, I was just getting sicker and sicker. But I will tell you this, there must've been some glimmer of hope because I was also recognizing that this was not working well. That's when I started looking. I, I was like, no, I got to find something that's going to work for me. And so that's when I started looking at craft. That's step one in the 12 steps, which is that you admit that your life has become unmanageable because of this particular issue. Yeah. Yes. But I'll be honest with you. I didn't look at it that way. I, I looked at it as not that my life was unmanageable, but that I, that, okay, I got to get empowered. Like I looked at it in a different way. Okay. I got to, nope. I got to get empowered here. So I've got to, like, I didn't look at it as my life was, was a mess. I just looked at it as I've got to figure out something that is going to work. So what's fascinating is you look, if you look at the craft model, the whole point of it is if you work on yourself, if you shift yourself, then you become more effective with your loved one. Right. And so you know, I feel like if that could be the frame, because that's really what you're saying, it's not that I'm a mess, but that if I could do things differently, and if I find a new toolbox, then the chances of my loved one getting help are, are higher. I agree with you now, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> but let me, let me just clear it up that when I went into and started learning about craft, I did not realize for a long time that that's what I was doing. In my mind, it was about my interaction with my loved one and the loved one's behavior that would change. Like I was doing this for him. I was not doing this for me. And so, so that was not my view in the beginning. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you had told me that, I might not have gone down that path. Maybe I would have, because just looking at the skills and strategies was like, okay, yeah, no, I can do this. And it's right in line with, with my thinking, right? I want to, I want to be positive. I don't want to be this, this person focused on the, the most difficult and negative stuff. I want to find the positive, but I still wasn't looking at it as I'm changing things for me. And, and I, I'm going to be honest, it took me, I want to say three years, three or four years before I realized, oh my gosh, I'm changing me. <laughs> like, like I'm, I want this craft stuff so much to be a part of who I am because I'm becoming a, a better person, a better communicator, you know, I'm able to express empathy much better, right? I'm like actually listening to other people and not trying to think about what I'm going to say. And I was like, wow, I'm really focusing on changing myself and the effect on the, on the rest of the world in my world, my little world is the results are much better, but it took me a long time to get there. And I think what you're saying is really significant because we're often oriented outside of ourselves. I think that's the thing that a lot of people do, especially loved ones of people who are using drugs, but also women are trained to be externally focused and take care of people. 
So I feel like what really this is about is dropping down into being our most effective selves. Okay. And so if taking care of yourself gets stuck in your craw, because how could you do that if the world is on fire? I, that makes sense. But at the same time, you know, if you're, if you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, how effective are you? And so, so really, however you get to this place, you know, use, use whatever manipulation in your head that you need to, to see that by shifting the perspective here, you can actually be more effective. And so one of the things that I really want to put in here is we also, I think, get caught up in the big picture. What's the outcome? You know, is this really working or not? And what we drill in, in our meetings all over craft is that you're looking at tiny shifts and that when things improve, even on a tiny minuscule microscopic level, that counts. Everything counts with this. And so, you know, I'm listening to you, Laurie, and I'm like, I don't care how people get here. I don't care if you're like, oh, I'm here to take care of myself and I'm going to be a better person. No, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is that as you engage in this process, and you did say this, so I'm going to steal this from you. It's a process. And if you keep doing stuff and showing up and working on yourself and working on the communication and the reward system and the noticing and the backing up and the taking space and the like being prepared with resources and but not giving people advice or shoving it in their faces and taking responsibility for your part in your actions, things are going to shift because they cannot help it. Right. They have to. They have to shift because you're doing things differently. and. You think about if things are stuck in a particular way and you keep acting the same way, they stay stuck. So all we're doing is saying that by you looking at you, you dislodge the whole framework here. I also want to add a few pieces in here too, because when I first started on my journey and everybody used to say to me, I would be in the middle of crisis, in the middle of chaos, and I would share and people would say to me, make sure and take care of yourself. Oh, oh God, I would get so frustrated. I'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? What do you mean? Like you think if I go and have my nails done or if I go for a nice like little shopping spree or coffee or that everything's going to get better? No, I, no. And so I, I almost wouldn't. I wouldn't go and do those things. I don't know. Maybe I tend to butt heads, right? Don't tell me to do that because if you do tell me to do that, I'm not going to do it. That sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it does sound familiar. But also, it's when I discovered that when people are telling me that, they're not telling me outside of the moment. They're telling me in the moment. They're saying when you're in the middle of crisis and chaos, believe it or not, that's when you need to take care of yourself. And so the first time that I started doing that, and I'm going to share this with everybody the first time that I started doing that and I realized, oh my God, it's right here, right now is when I should stop doing all of these other things that are making me sick and I need to work on things that are just going to calm me down and I'm going to let those emotions and initial thoughts flood me. I'm just going to sit in my crap, you know, lack of a better word, up to my eyeballs and crap. I'm just going to sit in it for a little while, no matter how much it stinks. I'm going to calm down. This is me taking care of myself. 
But I will tell you this, the first time I did it, oh my God, I was almost like a toddler kicking and screaming. I don't want to do it. I, I'm so resentful and I was not resentful at my loved one. I was resentful that I had to do this, right? I was like, oh my God, every ounce of my being is telling me it's just so much more comfortable for you not to fight this, right? It, it's just, just go with it and continue to get sicker and sicker and sicker. But I learned over time that it started to work. And even now, even now, when things kind of go off the rails and I'm spiraling back down, I still get this level of really uh, distress that I don't want to do it. I don't want to have to take care of myself. It's kind of almost counterintuitive, right? That's the only way I can describe it. But I am finding that the more I do it, the better at it I become. And I don't think I'll ever be, you know, just at a level where I'm like, oh, you know, now's the time for me to start taking care of myself. I think I'm always going to get triggered. I'm always going to have to experience those feelings. But isn't, isn't there a reason why? Aren't I supposed to? Yes, but that's the, that's the part of this is that what you're doing is you're growing and you're learning about yourself, which is how do I actually sit with my feelings? That's what you're saying is that that was the first step for you was to sit with the feelings and to have your feelings. And it's funny because a lot of times people think that we're saying don't sit with them because then you're not going to be doing your nails or whatever, but sitting with your feelings, finding places to express your feelings, finding places to express your wildest fears that's part of taking care of yourself. That's the irony about this. We're not saying don't do that. We're saying put that in a plan for yourself of like, right now I am going to take an hour and I am going to just be with this horrible state of how I feel. And I'm going to go to the person's going to die. And how could I do this? And what can I do? And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That's part of the taking care of yourself. But what we're saying is what can you do not to just be in that state? Right. And it can be as little as it doesn't have to be a walk on the beach to see the sunset. It doesn't have to be a big meditation center where you come out of a gong bath, right? Feeling like elated and, and we're not, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. It can be as little as I'm not going to start making phone calls to the police department in the hospital. Yes. Literally, that's the one I'm going to pull out of this and I'm going to stop doing that because it doesn't do anything. And once you start doing that, it's like, then you're not in the first responder mode of, okay, I'm on, I got to go do something. And, and that's the interesting thing that I think that's a really important point because there's doing involved in that, but it's an external doing. It's the, I'm going to fix this. And so when you're so focused on fixing things or solving it or saving a life or whatever the thing is, that's absolutely you not taking care of yourself. You're out there. And, you know, there are some moments where maybe it's appropriate for you to take the ride in the car. Who knows? But what you want to do is have that as one of your options and not the only option that you have. So part of what taking care of yourself is, is having a menu that you get to choose from of what that looks like. So the not doings is part of your menu. I am not going to do this. 
I am not going to right this moment. I'm not calling treatment centers, but I am going to make phone calls to find a therapist for myself, or I am going to call a friend that I can be really honest with, or I'm going to, you know, write in my journal or do morning pages, or I'm going to do some art so that I could express these horrible feelings on paper, you know, so they have a way to get it out. Because part of what the problem that we're talking about is, is that there's this process of perseveration that happens. Perseveration basically means that you have a negative thought, it goes into your head, and then it just loops and loops and loops and loops and loops. And that is all that you're doing. And that it becomes your go-to on a regular basis is, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then if anybody interrupts that and says, no, everything's going to be okay, or how are you doing, or what are you doing for yourself? The first thing that comes to mind is you don't understand. And so what we're saying is nobody understands what you're going through. That is true, but you, but what are you doing that is assisting your process of not having to live in that kind of quicksand of like getting pulled down and pulled down and pulled down. And that's where putting yourself first comes in, even for tiny moments. It's funny because I was going to say just listening to you talk, I was going to say one thing that I often have struggled with are the ruminating thoughts, which I, I have the feeling most family members or allies do struggle also with ruminating thoughts. And the only way that I can kind of get my ruminating thoughts to stop, especially at night when my head hits that pillow, because then it's like, uh-oh, right? Like my head hits a pillow. I can't control my thoughts. I can't distract myself. So I had to find a way to, to distract those ruminating thoughts. And what I do is I actually get on the couch with my pillow. I turn on the television. I find some stupid show. Anytime in the middle of the night when I wake up, because I, I often will have like a dream or whatever, and I'll just wake up and there's the thoughts and I can't get the thoughts to go away. I'm going to focus on this ridiculously stupid show that's going to bore the heck out of me and help me to go back to sleep. And that's taking care of myself. In that moment, I'm actually taking care of myself because I'm trying to get rid of the ruminating thoughts and I'm, I'm allowing myself to get as much sleep as possible so that I can be in good shape the next day or better shape. I shouldn't say good shape because it doesn't necessarily translate to that, but I can be in better shape. I can have some rest and I can deal with what comes at me in the next day. So I, I like this idea of the small things and the things that other people wouldn't necessarily consider. So for me, it's like having a meditation that's looping. Like if when I go to sleep, I, you know, lots of us wake up in the middle of the night or can't fall asleep. And if the meditation is looping, then I wake up and then I'm hearing the meditation and it's part of the unconscious or there's this app where people are reading books, like in this really calm droney thing. That's a great way to fall asleep. So and it's it's nothing, but it actually helps. And it takes you out of your thoughts because like, oh, what are they saying in the book? What's the, the meditation? Like, okay, relax your toes. So it takes you out of it. And the other thing is that I am an absolute obsessive believer in the gratitude thing. They have proven that it works. And so one of the things that you could do when you're in this perseveration of negativity and dread and disaster is that you stop yourself and you auto-correct to, okay, 10 things that I'm grateful for. I always talk about this Maya Angelou thing where, you know, so she her life absolutely fell apart and she went from house to house and, 
you know, nobody could help her. And then she went, she sat down and, and this guy said to her, here's a piece of paper, write down everything that you have that you're grateful for. And she's like, I have nothing. I lost everything. And he said, can you breathe? And she said, yes. He said, write it down. And then he said, can you see? She said, yes, write it down. Because that's the thing is that we get into this. It has to be these gigantic, everything is great thing. But it's not about that. It's about noticing the tiny little gifts that we have in our life. And by reframing life, then it's not all tragic and horrible, even when it's bad. I also agree with you. I'm big on the gratitude thing. And I started doing that very early in my journey at night. When my head hit the pillow, I would start talking about what am I thankful for? What, what do I have in my life that I'm thankful for? And what I found was I started off with like one or two things. I'm thankful that he survived the night. I'm thankful that I still have my son. And then I started to recognize that's not the only thing I and I am neglecting other parts of beautiful parts of my life. I'm neglecting my kids. I have two beautiful daughters. I have an incredible husband and I'm not even talking about them. Oh, and so just starting that I'm thankful or I'm grateful for within a couple of months, it was like, oh, I have so much. And the whole idea of substance use disorder shrank it shrank into this tiny, tiny little piece. And it was like, oh, no, no, no. I have a very, um, I don't even know what the, what the word is, but I have this very rich and full life. Yes. And all I'm doing is focusing on the substance use disorder. No, no time for me to recognize all the beautiful things that I have. Right. And even when you're living in chaos and like, it could be that as a response to the substance use there's like all this other chaos that you're dealing with that doesn't even directly involve them. There's beautiful things that happen. I had this great interaction or my family's coming together or our communication is all improving or, wow, we're, you know, I'm going on this beautiful walk. Look at these little flowers and the spring is here or I love the way the snow looks on the trees. That changes your, your insights. It changes how you process. And then when you're dealing with your loved one who's using, you're actually in a better, more powerful state, as you said. It's like, that's how you take your power. It's like, because they're also looking to you for strength and not the strength of telling them what to do. But what's your perspective? How do you not get sunk? How are you working on yourself? And if you're shifting, they feel it. And, and who wants to be so responsible for somebody else's well-being? How guilty that must make them feel. It's like if they're ruining your life, it's terrible. And that just feeds into the negative spiral for them. So if you're okay, they actually get to just focus on themselves. Oh, wow. So another <laughs> fantastic conversation. Love this conversation. Why don't you just give us a summary? Let me just remind everybody we have a 10-day challenge on the Allies in Recovery website. If you do half of the modules in a 10-day period, uh, you qualify for a $250 training for free. So to all our listeners out there, know that this is available to you. And Kayla, why don't you wrap us up with a summary? The topic for today is putting yourself first, 
even when the crisis is happening and even when there's a mess in your life. And again, what we're talking about is a process. We don't expect you to be all like at the end of the process. You have to start by even just changing how you think about yourself and your role in the dynamic. And that if you can take care of yourself, if you can change how you think or shift how you think, even for fractions of the day, then it will change the dynamic with your loved one, which allows them more freedom to look at themselves and not just worry about how they're impacting you. That's one of the biggest tools is shifting how you look at yourself so that the other person has more freedom to do what they need to do with themselves. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up For Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.